0: Hi listeners and welcome to the podcast where we discuss human behavior, relationships, home decor, lifestyle and so much more. I'm your host, mindset coach and interior designer Evelyn Glick. Let's crush all limiting beliefs and create a life and home that represents who we are and who we aspire to be. Increase our spiritual connection and intentionally design our most authentic life. Let's dive in. Good morning, listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of having Joanna Shipley on our show. She is a certified Martha Beck Wayfinder life coach and a shamanic mentor. Good morning, Joanna. How are you?
1: Good morning, Evelyn. I'm fine. Thank you.
0: So nice to have you here. Please tell us what led you to this field. (laughs)
1: well as you can tell from my very long (laughs) job title as it were um, there are two aspects so there's the life coaching and the shamanic side so the shamanic side happened over 21 years ago I was on a spiritual search at the time of discovering shamanism and having looked at many many things I happened to be in the army I was an army officer and I stretched myself mentally as far as I could go emotionally and physically as far as I could go and something was still missing. So I was on this kind of quest, this crusade, to find something spiritual that meant I had a connection with whatever the spirit world was. I didn't really know what it was, but that there was something bigger than the physical. And long story short, I ended up on a workshop, and I I actually arrived late. I had to lie down and listen to some drums, I was told, as soon as I arrived, and meet my power animal. I had no clue what that meant. So I just lay down, covered my eyes like he suggested, and he started drumming, and I met my power animal. And I can talk more about that later, but it was a life-changing experience that 21 and a half years later feels like it happened yesterday. You know, it was so powerful. So that really took me into the spiritual shamanic path. And then more recently, um, about three years ago, I decided to train with Martha Beck because it was like one of those itches you can't let go off it just kept coming up kept coming up I was a homeopath at the time having left the army because my spirit said I should and um, I was listening all day to patients with anxiety and depression and symptoms and I wanted to actually switch into something more positive about helping them think about life beyond pain and beyond suffering and mental emotional and physical suffering and Martha seemed to offer that way so I signed up for this program and here I am a couple of years later doing master coach training and now coaching people and running coaching programs and loving it because it is really transformative and it really works. So sort of two different ways into two different things, but they actually link really well together as well.
0: Oh, my goodness. How beautiful. The fact that life sort of guided you to something that you knew in your heart you needed and wanted. Mm -hmm. that little tug that you mentioned, right? If we all listened to that little voice inside us that pulls us ever so gently to that thing that won't let us go because it's really part of our path, right?
1: You're so right there, there's there's something about listening, these, these inner nudges can be so subtle, like little whispers and when the outside world or our minds are shouting, believe me I resisted, <laughs> I really resisted, you know, being in the army and having to creep out of officer training on a Sunday night when everyone else was with families or down the pub and I was sneaking along to a spiritualist church or doing whatever I was doing trying to find something different and thinking I must be mad, I must be mad. And thank heavens, you know, I did eventually pay attention and show up and do something different.
0: What a wonderful blessing. I would love you to dive into a little more about the spirit animals. I am so curious about it. Tell us more so we can be informed and how do we connect to them?
1: Well, um, spirit animals are very popular. There are lots of oracle cards about them. You can Google spirit animals. There's something really almost viscerally exciting about the idea of a spirit animal, because I think it probably harks back to where we've all evolved from, which are animistic communities, communities that understand that everything has a spirit. And when we lived on the land, we would have known there'd be plants, there'd be mountains, there'd be, I don't know, streams, and there would be the animals that we were very interlinked with in terms of survival and subsistence and actually thriving. So we really would have had a closer relationship with them. And in this understanding that everything has a spirit, there would be one person in the community whose job it was and still is in many communities to communicate with the spirit world. And they would, and still do meet with the animal spirits to to ask them questions so that we would know how to survive, where the animals would be if we hunted and um, also to ask these spirits about health and disease and medicinal plants and those sorts of things. So kind of fast forward to our generation and I think there's something still deeply resonant about wanting to connect with the world beyond the physical. And when I teach people to connect with their own spirit helpers, whether they know anything about spirit animals or not, 95% probably, maybe even more of the time, it's an animal that is the first spirit helper that they meet with. So that in itself is fascinating, but actually also in the real ordinary world that we can touch with our normal senses, we can have relationships with animals and these can be our teachers so you might have an experience where an animal comes up very strongly in your life pay attention because it has a message for you and i'd invite listeners if that happens if you you know i don't know you go for a walk and suddenly you're followed around by a swarm of bees or something i don't know when i was a child a hare jumped in through the cat flap I mean, wow. we lived in a town, it was remarkable and I was young and I, you know, I was about seven or eight. I didn't know what to do about it. But if something like that happens in your life, pay attention and I'd really recommend before looking at an Oracle card or Googling it, stay in your own power and think about what are the qualities of this animal and do some natural history research. Find out what the qualities of the animal is, how it lives, what its habitat It's like what it does to eat and survive, what its community and and mating is like so that you understand the nature of the animal, because there'll be something in the quality of that animal that is what you need right now for your, for want of a better word, for your personal medicine. Very interesting. Being interested in personal
0: growth and spiritual connection and just expanding more into. That thing that we all need and crave, and some of us don't want to touch because it might be scary or you're not ready. I mean, we're all in a different path, correct? But I've always, Uh even as a little girl, I've always always been in search for that, which is what's leading me to coaching and all this wonderful work that I'm diving into. But animals, because I was, personally speaking, a dog bit me as a child. I was five. It's interesting because my sister in the same household, loves dogs. She has three dogs. She's had birds. She's had you name and she's had it all. But for me, because I have that fear in dogs, like I love birds. I love butterflies. I have a butterfly in my shoulders. So I don't know why I find that finding for me personally, a spirit animal feels a little scary. Like I think the first thought when I read about it Sort of a lion. I'm like, oh, that's scary. Oh. But I, I love other animals. I love giraffes. I love monkeys. Just letting go of the resistance of the animals that I find scary and opening up to the animals that I do like. What do you have to say to the fearful ones oh. out
1: there? <laughs> that's such a great question. And I love I love that you bring that right in. And it's so interesting because it's making it's making me chuckle inside because on one workshop um, I was at, there was this guy and he's so desperately wanted to meet his power animal and he wanted one of the big fierce scary ones you know he was this six foot four macho guy and he was hoping for a bear or an eagle or like you say a lion (laughs) his power animal it was a little mouse (laughs) and he got exactly what he needed because in a way to bring him into balance or into harmony or the qualities the power that he needed was the power of a very gentle creature, a very quiet creature, a very able to see the tiny details and the subtle creature. And of course, these are all the qualities he didn't have. So this little mouse was bringing him into balance once he got over his kind of ego need to have this big creature. And my hunch is there's somewhere there, and you're not alone, but many of us have a very disturbed relationship with power. Power has been abused in our culture and our society, and women, people of color, anybody who's experienced abuse personally or collectively may find stepping into power a scary thing to do because either you experience power over you or because you've been taught that standing up and standing in your space and owning it is... I don't know, unladylike, um, unwanted in your culture. So we can resist that. And I think this shows up outwardly in our projections around what we see as the qualities of these animals. And when I met my animal and it was a big, huge, predatory mammal, I can tell you in that moment that I remember so clearly, I have never felt so loved. I have never felt so welcome. I have never felt so warm as the moment of meeting that animal and understanding without words that it was there for me, unconditionally loving me. And that's what a power animal, when we meet it with the drum in a shamanic way, with good intention and clear boundaries, it's not just going to tip up at any moment of the day or night. It's sort of invitation only, really we can have a two-way relationship with this spirit animal. And that's where the teaching and the healing happens. So slightly different from a dog biting you, you know, in that case, I would journey with my trusted spirit animal once I've got to know them, to meet the spirit of the dog, to ask what its teaching was for me at that time. And with the help of my trusted power animal, I would then go into the spirit world to meet the animal I was scared of with that partner by my side to understand the teaching. So there's kind of two different levels there, but your own personal power animal is really the the creature you need. And it may not even be one of the beings you're actually scared of. Maybe that isn't what you need right now. I don't know. The only way to find out is to give it a go, really. That's so beautiful and so powerful. Do you have one
0: spirit animal? It just occurred to me to ask you that.
1: Yeah, um, most people have one. Some people uh, are very greedy and end up, end up with a whole pack or a whole herd. <laughs> not really. But you know, you kind of get what you need, not what you want and there's sometimes that can happen. As we go on in our shamanic experiences, our shamanic careers, if you like, we often work with different spirit helpers and they're not always in animal form. Um, But, for example, I have different animals and beings I work with when I'm doing healings and soul retrievals, and I do with when I'm working on my own. And sometimes people do have two or three, or sometimes they change. It's almost like I think of my kids playing computer games. We kind of level up, and we get into a new level, and a new animal suddenly says, right, now you're ready to work with me. So it can evolve. One main helper. Okay.
0: The thing that I've dived into personally is spirit guides. Mm-hmm. that to me feels comfortable and I guess safer. But going back on what you said about power, that really hits home because when I definitely feel like power was taken away from me as a little girl, a loving, but very overprotective mom, you know, as i grown and I've developed into myself um, and had to do a lot of inner work, I find that Power is still that kind of word that says, like, maybe it's not for me, that the power somehow was taken, and that might bring up some some fear, mm. correct, in diving into.
1: Yeah, well, well, tell me where I'm wrong, and I don't want to make assumptions, but in that experience, you were being shown in a very practical, everyday, every moment basis that it wasn't safe to be in your power, I'll do it for you, and for the very most loving intentions. And that's usually how most of us end up finding, we step away from our authentic self and our true power because we've received messages that often come from a loving place. They're not all malintentioned. And so, yeah, this relationship with power is very tricky for for most of us. Yes, tell us, what what do you think is the
0: biggest block that stops us from living authentically?
1: Well, actually, I think we've kind of accidentally hit on it because it's just come up as such a powerful thing, but it is not being our true self because we're listening to the messages that we've been culturally and socially programmed to adhere to. So whether it's your mum saying, I'll do that for you, and I'll look after you, and so we don't step up into our power, whether we get told as a child that you don't talk enough or you talk too much, we start to embody those messages. And at a very young age, we can't distinguish what's true or not. And we tend to assume that that's the way to behave. And of course, we're seeking love and seeking approval and seeking being cared for. So we go along with our our family, our teachers, our culture, and we embody those teachings so that we don't even notice that we're not being ourselves. We're just going along. Pleasing people is often a, a really big one or achieving all these things that culture says. Yeah, that's how to be happy and successful. Usually it takes us away from our true self and we experience pain as we go forward in life living that way because it's actually quite exhausting not to be who we really are and staying out of our truth can cause us physical pain and physical symptoms in the end chronic illness even emotional upset relationship problems picking a job we hate that you know we only realize 5 years in we're finding soul destroying but we might have built our lives around it all these sort of symptoms that start to develop as we become a bit more aware as we get older so the single thing really is stepping away from who we are to please our culture and our society. And it's not wrong. We're doing the best we can that, you know, I'm not saying this to blame anyone who's been around us and educated us or ourselves. We're doing the best we can. But the second we can find ways to become more in tune and hear our essential selves, our authentic selves, that's where we start to reclaim our, if we want to use that word again, power or our truth or our integrity. Who we
0: Yeah, integrity, which is such a a beautiful word, really resonates with me. So what are the small changes? I always like to have the listeners have a few takeaways. What are the small changes that one can do Mm. to go into that place of being yourself
1: and gaining your power, so i think there are two your listeners can do straight away which appeal to different aspects of the self and one of the reasons i love martha's way of coaching is she's not it's not all about goal setting and the mind she uses the body she uses emotions and connecting us to spirit she has this great overlap of science and spirituality and humor um but one of the things you can do is just just notice your thoughts and start to question them. And a key to thoughts that almost feel like a religion, I shouldn't do this. Well, I shouldn't do this. Or a judgment, she shouldn't do that. She shouldn't be so greedy. She shouldn't take up so much space. Or I, I can't speak in public. I'm too nervous to. Yeah, that's a really common one. People will judge me, is to notice them and then ask yourself a really simple question. And it's the beginning of um, work done by Byron Katie and that Martha uses a really deep way of looking at thoughts that hold us stuck. But just ask yourself three simple words. Is it true? Is it true? So I don't know, Evelyn, do you have a thought that kind of gets in the way of you stepping towards your dreams, a sabotaging thought that springs to mind? So for me, it's thinking that
0: I should have it figured out, you know, whatever it is, why isn't it clear? Shouldn't I have all the answers? So I've done enough work to know that I don't have to have the answers. Yeah. So for the listeners, whatever the question is that you assume that you must have the answer for, just question it. I'm doing a lot more of that. You're saying, well, who says so? Why yeah. does it have to be that way? You know, we put so much self-judgment, the things that we should do and not do and how productive is your day and the things that didn't get accomplished. So it's being a little more gentle with the judgments, because I think that we all have a certain level of judgment. It's I haven't reached that level of, I'm not judging anything or anyone. It's very hard to be that. Are you that way? I'm better than I was, but no, I'm not enlightened yet. (laughs) It's just the curiosity of questioning that thought that might be really hard or really even debilitating sometimes. That can be so hard, right?
1: And it's just asking, is it true? I should have it figured out by now. Is that true? And then the second question, if you want to go a bit deeper, is can I absolutely know for certain that it's true? And often when we say that, we drop into a deeper place with it because it takes us into a little bit of introspection and holding that thought as a witness. And that's a lot of the way that we can step out of this cultural hamster wheel of a brain that's running all the time is to step back and observe it. So is it true? And then can I absolutely know for certain that it's true? So those are two really helpful ways. Another way is to bypass the mind completely and go for the body because our body knows exactly what we need. And we're so focused on our, you know, the ideas are king, the mind is brilliant, rational thinking is the way ahead, science is everything. All the things that give us joy are actually to do with feelings. And our bodies know when something is right for us and when it isn't. And we tend to override it with the mind. So if you can start to use your body as your compass rather than your mind, it will take you in the right direction. And I don't know if you got time for it now but a really simple exercise that your listeners can do is to think of one thing you don't like doing and one thing you do like doing and just notice the physiological response in your body the sensations in your body is something you can do on your own but really subtly notice those subtle sensations as you think of those two separate things and you can toggle between them and when you get good at it you can use the same sensations when you're faced with a decision to work out which is best and which isn't now if it's a complex decision you might want to get some help thinking through because there might be competing different sort of values within it but it basically if we can let the body show us the way it's pretty much always right we just have to learn to listen to it
0: that is such a gift that you just left the listeners and me with listening to the body because it's so easy to go to our heads and find a logical answer, rationalize every aspect of our lives, and not just ignore the feelings that arise in our bodies, those, those reactions, right, those
1: physical reactions. We're fundamentally mammals. We forget that. We're constantly trying to be better than whatever that is, you know, and... Yes. Yeah, when we see animals interact, they're, they're still in that realm of sensing. And that part of our body is 300,000 years old or 300,000 years older rather than our neocortex. It's far more tried and tes- tested and can sense things. You've had that experience, I'm sure, where you just felt not to go somewhere or to avoid someone. That is your body saying. That's not right for me. And we we notice it, but we get into trouble when we override it. And the same can apply to a job we go for or a relationship we enter or any decision we make. So
0: true. We'd like to ask you something personal. Uh Would you like to tell us what your
1: personal spiritual practice is like? Oh, okay. Um, Yes. So I have a daily practice and a weekly practice. Um, So the weekly one is really where i bring in my shamanic work so in a in a more formal way so once a week i will go on a shamanic journey to meet my spirit helpers whether they're power animals or spirit guides um so i do work with spirit guides um and i'll do it listening to a drum and i'll go with a very specific intention so it might be something like um i help to have a better relationship with my teenage children it might be how can i find the next best house for our family if we're thinking about moving something about an everyday issue because for me This whole work is about bringing power into our ordinary everyday lives. It's not about escapism. It's about getting the information and the healing and the answers we need and bringing that extraordinary power into our ordinary everyday lives. And that's how we start to live an empowered life. So that's my weekly practice. And I say weekly because that's about as much time, or that's the time I certainly need to digest all the information they give me deeply and to really integrate it so that's weekly and then daily what i usually do is i do some personal more on the coaching side but um, meditation followed by journaling following followed by doing the work so that questioning process that we talked about is it true but taking that even deeper turning my thoughts around to the opposite i do that every day And then I might do something different every day, but something shamanic or or animistic or sort of connecting with spirit. So I might use raffles instead of drums to just connect to the um, spirit world for a few minutes. Or I might go out into nature and find what I would call a power place, but a place I feel aligned with and spend some time in nature, maybe doing a a gratitude ceremony or something like that um, in nature and connecting with spirit in that way you know when we go into nature we find our authentic self as well because one thing about nature is she's always authentic (laughs) she you know we might try and mess her up as many ways as we do as humans but she is authentic and she pulls no punches so when we go out into that area even if it's like the back garden or connecting with a tree we reconnect with who we really are as well so yeah that's pretty much my daily practice how beautiful i love
0: it the daily practice, making it sort of like a habit. But for me, it's like an emotional need. Mm -hmm. If I don't have my time to meditate and journal, something is a mess. I haven't filled my inner cup, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I
1: totally resonate with that. And, you know, when I... I have the luxury of doing this because I've created a lifestyle and a job around my shamanic work and my coaching. When I was in the army or even when I was a busy homeopath and I had eight patients that day, I might do a five minute rattling practice to my spirits. But one of the things I think is really interesting is what you hit on there, making it a habit, because then we're not involving our willpower every day and deciding, do I do it or not? You've decided I'm going to do this every day. And that takes the effort out of it. And then we can get into a routine with it and pick something small and stick with it. Is I totally agree with you on that. I think that's such um, far better to take a little teeny weeny turtle step and succeed and then build on that
0: this is so beautiful i thank you so much for this conversation what haven't we discussed that you would like to add to our conversation
1: well i could i could talk for days so i won't i won't inflict that on you but um what i would add is first of all i believe that anybody can connect with spirit if they are taught how this isn't something for the sort of spiritual Glitterati, Illuminati, special people. Anyone connect with, can connect with spirit. Shamanically, there are some really simple techniques of listening to a drum, creating an intention, understanding where we're going and what it might experience, be like in a spiritual experience and then putting that into action. But it's incredibly accessible and it's not a religion, it's a practice. So I've worked with Christians, I've worked with Buddhists, I've worked with Hindus, I've worked with agnostics, even atheists who are out to Defy me. It's so individual. Your spirit helpers, whether they're animal or whether they are in human form, will give you the teachings that you need that fit in with your your worldview, and that's what I've discovered all the way through. So that's the, that's what I'd really love to say. And coaching, of course, is accessible to everyone. You can self-coach. It costs you nothing. You can buy a book. Any of Martha's books, I would recommend Martha Beck's books. The Way of Integrity, her latest is my favorite. That's all free. I've got free stuff on my website. Or if you want a really deep dive, go find yourself a coach. because there's something about having that space held for you. We are herd and community creatures. We like to be in connection with other people. And I still have coaching every week, sometimes twice a week, um, because I find it so valuable to get to the deeper truth of what it is I want in my life and to bring it into being and see that transformation happen. So <laughs>
0: it's so valuable and so important. Please share with the listeners where we can
1: find you and your services, workshops, and your offerings. Okay, well, my website is still growing, but it's Joannashipley.com. You can find me there. And I kind of hang out in the social media space in Facebook in a group called the Heart and what's well, called Heart and Spirit Circle. With Joanna Shipley, but if you just type in Heart and Spirit Circle, it'll pop up. You can join for free, and then there are lots of free videos and activities and events and things that happen in that space, too.
0: Wonderful. Please make sure to follow Joanna. She has wonderful heart-centered things that she shares with all of us. I always like to finish with three open sentences. I'd like you to fill in the blank.
1: Okay. The world needs more. Heart-centered people living their truth. So agree. Happiness to me is. Freedom and peace and being my true self. I would like to be
0: remembered for.
1: Ooh, (sighs) creating heart-centered spaces for others to dwell within and connect to their own hearts. Thank you so much. This was such a gift. Likewise. Thank you so much for your time and curiosity. It's been a joy speaking with you, Evelyn.
0: I feel so connected to you and your work. Thank you so much for being here. I'll put all the information to follow Joanna. Wonderful work. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Joanna's work is fascinating and yet another way of opening up to the support that's available to all of us because we all want to live the fullest and truest expression of who we are because playing small doesn't serve anyone. Thank you so much for listening. Bye now.